Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper, episode 22 of our 24-minute recaps. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on all platforms at YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcasts. Uh, Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course to follow us on social media at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. So for tonight's 22nd recap of the season, we're going to go over the Laker game tonight against the Bulls. And then we're going to talk about three games last night since I wasn't able to get to the Nets, Warriors, or Suns games tonight, even though I heard it was a thriller in Phoenix. I'm going to talk about the Suns game last night against the Nuggets, the Hawks against the Wolves, and the Nets against the Cavs. So let's start with the Lakers, who were in action looking to get their second win in a row on this road trip. They still haven't lost a game on the road, and the tone was set again. First quarter Lakers, how many times have we talked about? how well the Lakers start games, and who who set the tone tonight? Anthony Davis. And this is how simple it can be. Get the ball closer to the basket, post up, get inside position, work in the block and mid post, make life easier for yourself. How many times did we see AD, how easy it was? One dribble, spin move, two dribble running hook, mid range without even dribbling. None of that extra stuff on the three-point line. Obviously, the Bulls aren't the best opposition, but Thaddeus Young, Laurie Markkinen, these guys were having trouble guarding the best big man in the league. This is what AD is literally capable of, and he was doing it very much so to begin the game. The emphasis seemed to be overall just to attack the basket. LeBron was doing a good job attacking the basket in the beginning of the game. You know, although there is something that I've noticed when this happens, it causes Dennis to be a little... Because he's not very effective off the ball. I haven't noticed anything from Dennis that has shown me he's effective off the ball. So when LeBron and AD are going to work, he's kind of just a spot-up shooter who's not that great of an outside three-point shooter. He's very good on the ball, or better on the ball. And then I felt like sometimes when he got the ball tonight, since he wasn't really in rhythm, he kind of tried to rush and make plays. But that's kind of trivial because the Lakers won so handedly. The Bulls, you know, the Laker defense was good. You know, it, it, it's always good um, for the most part. But the Bulls... Just couldn't make a shot. I mean, they just couldn't straight up make a shot. I liked what, you know, Marcus Gasol, he's not good at defending out in space when he gets pulled away from the foul line. But anything with, within the foul line, Marcus Gasol is pretty good at, like, late switches or dropping. He does a good job of when Gar's trying to go at him. He does a really good job of, like, keeping his hands down until the, like, his timing is so good when guards go up. And then sometimes he'll just bring his hands up at the right time and get a piece of the ball. He's always had good defensive instincts, really good positional sense. But, you know, he doesn't really play that much. And I honestly think that Vogel should play him more. He only played 19 minutes tonight. It was plus 11, Marcus Gasol. Zero points. But I'm just, I just thought that his impact in the beginning of the game when the Lakers were building runs was good. Um, other than that, though, I thought the Lakers cruised very handedly. I thought AD led the way. I thought THT came in and get, got some really good minutes. He was going to the basket, being aggressive. KCP, 2 of 4 from the field. Caruso, you know, 1 of 2 from 3, but some good defense. Overall, 10 points for THT. It was just too easy for the Lakers tonight. I think this Bulls team was just... In the second half, they started making some shots, but they were like literally 0 for 10, 0 for 11 from 3. And Lowry Markkinen, you know, when he plays, their defense just seems to get worse to me. 
I don't know what it was. I mean, I guess maybe I'm just basing it off the game that they played against the Clippers where they actually looked like a decent defensive team or just a decent team in general. But yeah, Lakers, you know, they came out with that sense of urgency tonight and they really have this thing about their road games right now that they're just playing amazing. 9-0 and on the road for the Lakers, 13-4. and The Lakers and the Clippers keep changing hands at the top of the Western Conference every night. And as an L.A. basketball fan, as an L.A. fan, that's a dream come true. So for everybody else, look up at Los Angeles. We're the best in the West, and we're the best in the league, in my opinion. Good win for the Lakers. Anthony Davis, the high man, the career, the career high. I meant the, the game high, the player of the game. In 28 minutes of play, he had 37 points, six boards, three assists, two steals, and a block. 14 of 21. I thought LeBron was okay. I thought he was solid. 17, 11, and six. Six turnovers, though. And how many times, I was talking about this with my friends just now, LeBron James, how many times per game does he average like not getting a foul call, even if it's not even like a real foul call? He complains and doesn't get back on defense. That is the most infuriating shit to me. Of and like, oh my god, if you are the goat, one of the goats, and that's you're you're. There's one thing to complain. There's one thing to bitch on dead balls. There's one thing to be irate at the ref, but there's another thing to not get back. That shit pisses me off. Get back. On defense. If he's not LeBron, he's not able to do that shit. Anyway, let's move on to the Hawks and the Timberwolves. The Hawks playing the Wolves for the second time in three games. And Clint Capella, again, was making his presence felt down low. See, the thing with this Timberwolves team, without Carl Anthony Towns, they have no shooting outside of D'Lo and Beasley. So other than that, every team is going to be okay with them shooting threes, which the Hawks were. But when you go inside... This is something that the Hawks have now. Clint Capella is a presence down there, affecting shots, making guys pass out of shots because they're afraid to go up on him. And he was literally having a block party. John Collins also, you know, I still can't get a read on whether or not John Collins is a good defender or not. He's definitely not a rim protector because he's only 6'8", but he is solid laterally sometimes. And he sometimes has great moments of verticality when he goes up and takes the hit. But Clint Capella's presence around the basket really let the Hawks kind of gain a bit of control of the game. And Gallinari came back, which is an awesome sight to see if you're a Hawks fan. And he immediately showed what I've been talking about, how the, the Hawks missed a mid-post threat, not just, you know, coming from Trey or guys on the perimeter. And Gallo, 3 of 8 from the field, 10 points in his return. I thought it was very solid. So outside of Bogdanovich, the Hawks are getting healthy again. But Clint Capella overall was just an absolute stud, rolling around the basket, offensive rebounds. You know, he got seven offensive rebounds, 19 overall, 13 points. And guys, it was a triple-double, a triple-double with blocks. 10 blocks for Clint Capella. It was ridiculous. you got to give the guy some credit. He was unbelievable. He's been unbelievable. And right now, it's starting to look like he's been the second-best player for the Hawks this season. And... Ever since I've slandered him, he has performed a bit better, Trey Young. Same with Andrew Wiggins. I literally went off on Andrew Wiggins during the first two games of the season, and he's come back with a really solid season. I went off on Paul George during the summer. He's come back with a great season. So it looks like the whoever dime dropper slanders, you know, comes back strong. And Trey Young was putting Nas Reed in pick and roll. And what I liked is once again he started out aggressive, not settling. But once Nas, once he was getting by Nas Reed on the when he was dropping and you know taking him off the dribble downhill, then Nas Reed started dropping even further and let Trey walk into that three. And when that was happening, that's when he's got you at his mercy. Because if you're dropping deeper and he can and he's got the space to shoot a three, Trey Young, and he's hitting it. 
Well, then he can get hot. And oh boy, did he get hot. After that happened, Trey just couldn't miss. The Wolves actually started playing better in the third quarter. They actually, you know, were hanging around, like trying to make a little push, but they were down by so much, and Trey Young was just hitting threes. I thought Cam Reddish came off the bench, and. You know, Cam Reddish, as I've said before, he can create on the drive. He's a very solid passer on the drive. And I thought that he had a solid game. Even though he was 3 of 10, he got to the line 10 times, made 8 of them. He had 15 points, and he was plus 19 in the game. And I thought he was very solid. It was a solid return for him. DeAndre Hunter, I just really like when he takes it to the basket strong. He had 11 points, 4 of 7. You know, he's, he's still... More of a catch-and-shoot three-point guy. But I like how athletic DeAndre Hunter is. And sometimes he notices smaller guys guarding him and uses his length to get into certain areas to make it easier for him. But I thought Trey Young was just scorching hot and it came from him dissecting the Wolves in pick-and-roll. Let's talk about the Wolves for a second. You know, I like D'Angelo Russell a lot, but this team really lacks leadership. Like, obviously without Carl Anthony Towns, they're a completely different team. But he's... D'Lo, he needs like a really solid supporting cast. Like he can't lead a group of young players like this because he himself doesn't lead by example on both ends of the floor. If you really want to really lead by example in this league, you got to lead on both ends of the floor. And we got to start talking about Anthony Edwards and Jarrett Culver. I mean, I'm Anthony Edwards, not so much. He's learning. He's got a very, very iffy basketball IQ, though. I'm, I'm losing a lot of confidence in him. And Minnesota, the way they've looked as an organization over the last decade or two decades... They are just not helping anybody build a career. But Jarrett Culver, straight up, I just haven't seen anything from him yet after those two games. Like, nothing. So, that's it for the Wolves. They are, without Carl Anthony Towns, they are in, in route to being the worst team in the Western Conference, likely. Big win for the Hawks. Trey Young, 43 points. 14 of 22 from the field. 8 of 12 from 3. That's really the stat. Look how hot he was from deep. The Hawks as a team, 15 of 35, 43% from the three. It was falling, and it was just too easy for them overall. So, yeah, those, that's the line. 43 for Trey Young. He was the player of the game. Hawks move on to eight and seven. That's two wins in a row. Actually, no, that's three wins in a row. So, three wins on the bounce for the Hawks. Let's go to the Nets and the Cavs. I know I didn't see the Nets game past the first quarter tonight against the Miami Heat, but... Kevin Durant missed this game, so it was an interesting opportunity to see if James Harden and Kyrie could build chemistry with one another. And it started out pretty good, but it started out with James Harden and Kyrie Irving shooting a lot of threes. That's what it really started out with. And, you know, Kyrie sometimes comes up the court, and he acts like it's a pickup game sometimes with his demeanor. And he's like, like he's playing at the park. Like he did this since Boston. He has this ability to score on anyone and score from everywhere that it gets him into this kind of mentality like, okay, you know, I'm in attack mode every time I touch the ball. He's a, he's a, he's a complete point guard with a two-guards mentality. He has no shred of point guard mentality in him at all. His objective when he gets the ball is to go score every single time seemingly when he has it. And... James Harden was being very, like, you know, once again doing the same thing that we've seen with his Nets team, which is trying to get everybody else touches, but it mostly ended up being a black hole every time Kyrie Irving got the ball. He would put up, and you know what, the funny part is he can still shoot 50%. I'm not saying it's like he's missing everything, but once again, there was multiple possessions. What's one of my pet peeves? No pass possessions and a contested three. And when those possessions don't go in, you know, that's just giving, losing an opportunity to get Joe Harris a touch, get... TLC a touch and you know TLC 
was hitting threes, open threes in this game pretty well. Yeah, three of seven. He wasn't bad. Joe Harris only got catch and shoot looks. Seven of his nine shots were threes. And I just didn't think he was in rhythm at all. And it, it was still a very even game. But once DeAndre Jordan came out, and Drummond, you know, he had some good defensive stands, and then he also was scored on by Drummond here and there. And Drummond's a pit bull, you know. He's going to miss, and he's going to go right after his rebound. But the Nets, again, when DeAndre comes out of the game, this Perry kid, he's got good energy, but he's too young. He doesn't know what he's doing. Darius Garland and Jared Allen were putting, you know, Perry and pick and roll with whether it was Shamit, whether it was TLC, Kyrie Irving, and Nets players. None of them were get, doing a good enough job getting over the screen. Like TLC is a solid player, but like he's okay. I've never, I haven't seen anything from him still that's made me think he's some elite defender. You know, you set a screen on him, it's the same as everybody else. They have an advantage. It's not like Batum on the Clippers where he makes up ground with his length or Mikael Bridges or any of that nature. And they were literally, like, Reggie Perry would come help because, once again, as I said, the screen would be set. So Garland would have a layup to the basket in those pick and rolls. And they weren't too high of pick and rolls, so they didn't have any room to go under the screen. So then Perry would have to come help and rotate, and that would leave Jared Allen open. And nobody on the on the nets was big enough to rotate and box Jared Allen out. And Jared Allen was feasting. And then he was making his presence felt on the other end. And then let's talk about the fact that Torian Prince, when he played against the Cavs in these two games, was literally like Dwayne Wade level. Like, I don't understand. In his 22 minutes, he had 14 points, 3 of 5, 2 of 3 from 3, 6 of 6. I don't know what got into him, but he just was like on some revenge shit. But anyway, the third quarter is really where the Nets screwed up because... Harden and Kyrie were still doing enough to keep him in the game, but then they started turning the ball over and started paying for it. Then DeAndre Jordan started turning the ball over, and he had his mistakes here and there. But I still think that Harden and DJ didn't go to pick and roll enough. I don't know why. I just think that Harden was being a little too passive in terms of letting Kyrie do more than him. For example, Harden had 14 shots. Kyrie had 24 shots. Kyrie had 38 points. Harden had 19 points and 11 assists. But those stats, like... They weren't really doing much for me for Harden. He needs to... I like the pick and roll with DeAndre. Kyrie, he plays too much on ball. Like, he, him getting off, nobody else benefits off of that but him. And, you know, it's just not... I just don't like it. I, I think he's great. I do think he needs to be in attack mode, but there's a level to it. And he over... And plus, when he's not playing defense on the other end, and, like, he's not even trying getting over screens... And it's funny because you saw that is the NBA getting better and better. Go watch that video if you haven't, of course. But he said players don't play defense. They don't bring the effort. He's guilty of his own thing. And Harden the same. I mean, it's, it's less getting over screens with Harden, but more of him, like, on when he's helping and he's guarding guys off the ball, he's just sagging off them so much in the middle. I, I don't know if he's, he's ready to help. And he doesn't even really help. He literally just slaps down for reaches. I don't know if he's getting ready for rebounds, what he's doing, but he's not really playing defense. And the Nets just don't play defense. They don't have the personnel. This is exactly what I said the second they traded for Harden. I don't know what they were thinking. Jared Allen literally feasted on them. He embarrassed them. You know, the guy that they gave up, eating on little guys, jump hooks on smaller dudes. Seven of nine, 19.6 boards. Like, I mean, come on. I don't know what, what they're, I mean, Kevin Durant didn't play. I may be overreacting. The point is this team has no defense. They're not a championship team as it is. No chance, no shot in hell the way it is. They have to pick up something. It's not good enough. DeAndre Jordan, just to prove my point about how he didn't get the ball and pick and roll enough sometimes. And you know, I'm not a guy to say that. Nine points on four of four. So I still think DJ should have been involved a bit more. But yeah, 
So bad loss for the Nets. Let's give some Cavs some shout-outs, though. Colin Sexton, again, was awesome. Working on the pick and roll. It's coming so easily to him now. 25 points and 9 assists. I thought I saw some good things from Okoro on defense, especially. He had 8 points. Larry Nance wasn't bad either with 15. And then, of course, the former Nets were good. Darius Garland on the bench with 11. But, yeah, that was the win. The Cavaliers now move on to 8-7. and seven. The Nets dropped that one. So let's end it with the Nuggets. And the Suns, this was the game from last night, not the one tonight. But the Nets got off, I'm sorry, the Suns got off to a really good start. And it was mostly because of Chris Paul. The Suns got off to a really good start. Chris Paul wheeling and dealing. DeAndre Ayton running the floor. It started off with them getting stops on Jokic. You know, Ayton doing a good job contesting. And the Suns get off to some good starts here and there sometimes. And Devin Booker did a really good job in the first quarter of getting into the mid-range area. Like three or four mid-ranges, getting to the basket. He was in double figures after one, which we've talked about with the Suns. Sometimes I don't think T. Book or Chris Paul assert themselves enough individually to start games. I thought Booker did a good job of this. Ayton was also good on the offensive glass. He started to become a presence on the offensive glass, DeAndre Ayton. And Chris Paul was getting a ton of assists just in the beginning, finding guys, finding Aiton on the lob. You know, Mikhail Bridges was scorching from deep in the first half, especially the second quarter. And the Suns took a nice little lead early. They were up by 9 after 1, 34-25. But the Nuggets bench did a good job of kind of weathering that storm. You know, Monte Morris, one of the better backup point guards in the league. And, we, you know, we talked about that in the, in the glorified Summer League podcast over the summer. Monte Morris, very solid IQ, especially for his era. You know, really solid in the mid-range area. Doesn't take too many bad shots ever. He's a solid finisher around the basket. And he was doing some of that, making some tough shots around the rim. Michael Porter Jr. came in and hit it. You know, he takes tough shots and makes tough shots. And But the funny part is the Suns pushed it back up because of Mikhail Bridges literally going 6 of 6 from 3 in the first half, I think. It was either 5 of 5. He got to 6 of 6, whether it was in the first half or the early second half. I don't remember. But the Suns really pushed it, pushed it up to 14 and then the second half, we started seeing some things. And it was the third quarter. The Nuggets did exactly what they did in the playoffs, which is tighten up the defense. And you know what? It's, it's exactly what we say all the time. This team completely starts with Jamal Murray. Like, when he wants to get over screens and he wants to attack on offense, that's when this team is the best. And Jamal Murray and the Nuggets, for whatever reason, especially Jamal, he's a second-half player. He completely is. And he came out and started, you know... Uh, so the okay, so I don't know if I can explain this properly over podcast terms, but the Nuggets have a defensive strategy, and they've had it since early last season, or I don't know how long they've had it, but it's this is how they guard pick and rolls mostly to 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 hide Jokic's deficiencies, and Jokic is not nearly as bad defensively as everybody makes him out to be anymore because they found ways to hide his deficiencies, and it's by doing this: you have a pick and roll, high pick and roll, Jokic hedges it. So he comes up and helps before, but, you know, he's too slow to hedge and recover. So what he does is he hedges, so they basically put two on the ball handler, which forces them to pass it to the roller. And usually, in many cases, that roller will be open unless somebody rotates. But Paul Millsap does a really good job of always being in rotation because he's a strong guy. So if you get the ball to your center, whoever Jokic is guarding for the role, Millsap is a guy that can make an impact and take some hits that won't get bullied on that rotation. It's not like when you have a guard like a Curry or a Lou Williams in that corner that teams try to scheme sometimes to get him guarding the roller on those pick and rolls. Now, Jokic also does a good job because he's a big body. So when he hedges, 
he takes pretty good angles to not let guys like Kawhi couldn't turn the corner. They forced the cross-court pass. And I think that's part of why it didn't work with the Lakers as well. Because LeBron sees over the top and he's the best cross-court passer, I think, in the history of the game. And Devin Booker wasn't able to turn that corner. And Devin Booker is still getting better at his playmaking. Like he's made strides over the last couple of years, but sometimes he doesn't see reads in time. Chris Paul just doesn't have that same burst to turn that corner in these situations. Especially because if you're trying to turn that corner... The way Jokic is a big-ass dude, and if you have a guy just standing at the three-point line, then their defender can easily come try to build a little bit of a wall and try to steal the ball and, you know, try to let not let you split or not let you drive and kick. The drive and kick won't really, you know, do much there. So that's why, you know, you got to move without the ball when the Nuggets do that. You know, Jokic hedge, Millsap rotates, takes the roll man, they force the cross-court pass. Chris Paul just doesn't have that same burst. I love him, but he doesn't. So he can't take advantage of those bigs as much anymore. And... As the game went on, Murray started taking Aiton off the bounce on switches. The Suns switch a little too much for my liking. You don't want Aiton guarding Jamal Murray. And you know what the funny part is? Jokic is playing, like just like Embiid we talked about, Jokic is just playing awesome and taking advantage of every switch. Devin Booker was switched on to him two times in a row later in that game, and he scored so easily both times. If you guys listen to this podcast, you talk about is the NBA getting better and better. That is what you have to do. And I'm almost tempted to say, I think Jokic and Embiid are the two best centers, pure centers of the last 15 years. Like straight up, this is better than any Dwight Howard to me. Any people over glorify that finals run for me. Like I think Dwight was an incredible specimen, amazing athlete, uh, an absolute feast rebounder, great defender, but I'm taking a skilled center that can score the ball anytime. If they're my best player, I want them to score. Dwight Howard was all bully ball. In the finals, he got completely found out with Bynum and Gasol. He lacked fundamentals. He didn't have a reliable post game. Jokic can do all of that. And Jokic has gone to the conference finals in a tougher conference. I think Jokic is the best center that I've seen in my time, which isn't saying much, but he but he is. And I think Embiid, the way he's playing this season, is close to that as well. Jokic's ability to have the ball and be such a good passer at the three-point line, your center to have the ball at the three-point line lets the whole paint be open for guys to run in, to cut. It's kind of like what Shaq said in Inside the NBA. He was saying that when Jokic has the ball, it's different than when other setters had it because these guys know he can pass the ball so well that they move constantly. And I thought Gary Harris did a very good job of when he was chased out to the three-point line, he got to the basket very easily on many occasions. You know, and the Suns didn't do a good job of helping, you know, when Gary Harris would get to the rim. They kind of, I guess, underestimated his finishing or whatnot. But as the game went on, you know, the Suns came back. Jokic was feasting. I'm sorry, the Nuggets came back. Jokic was feasting. Chris Paul, he started to hit some shots late in the game. But then he missed an easy layup. And then Devin Booker missed an easy layup. And then DeAndre Ayton just didn't feel like going at Jokic one-on-one. And a lot of the third-quarter looks for the Nuggets were just being forced, I'm sorry, a lot of the third quarter looks for the Suns were just, they were being forced to take, you know, threes. They couldn't get in the paint with the way that they were guarding those pick and rolls. And I really don't like the Cam Johnson in the starting lineup thing that Monty's done. I think they got to go back to Crowder in the starting lineup. Cam just doesn't seem to have gotten any rhythm uh, with the starters. And Jay doesn't either. Cam, two of seven, one of six from three, five points minus 14. Like, I just don't think that that's good. And then Jay Crowder, two of seven as well. Like, I don't know. Just not enough. Chris Paul, and then in the and you know, came down to the end. Devin Booker missing that layup was awful because it reminded me of that Memphis game two games ago where he missed a dunk. And then you go to overtime. Jokic was feasting again, and Chris Paul 
missed a couple of jumpers, and then Devin Booker pulled his hammy and came out of the game, and the Suns lost a really bad one. Campaign, I thought, had one of his worst games of the season. He just, you know, looked uncomfortable. He was rushing things, taking quick threes, turning the ball over, making the wrong reads. And Chris Paul, you know, two times late in that game, he had Campaign open for a second, and he just didn't make the read. He didn't make the pass quick enough, and it, it delayed him, and it cost him the possession, and I don't usually say that about Chris Paul, making late reads, making bad decisions, but it's just what happened, Chris Paul needs to step it up, because right now, him and Devin Booker aren't playing too well when they're on the court together, because Chris Paul, he's very stagnant, he doesn't do anything away from the basketball, so he needs to fix that, anyway, terrible loss, that's Detroit, Memphis, and Denver, three terrible losses for the Suns that could have easily been avoided, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, big time parts of that, you know, I heard they did a little better tonight even without Devin Booker, but we'll check in on that, maybe. I don't even know if I want to because without Booker, I expect them to lose, but who knows. Thanks for joining me, guys. Please let me know what you think. Now we will go to the live chat with our subscribers. Super Chats are turned on. If you want to drop a dollar, let me know. 24 minutes on the dot for Bean. Peace.